Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Uh, Down Winker is a guy that can get on base, and they did talk about how they want their a number two batter to be one of their best hitters. So that would lead me to believe Votto. So probably. Well, I know it's not going to be Peraza too. I know it's not going to be. Peraza well, no, too. I know that if he's not hitting yeah. leadoff, he's at the bottom of the order. So my guess is Winker, Votto, Suarez, Jeanette Puig to break it up. Uh, you know, you'll have two lefties up top. Um, well, no, Winker switch hitter, I think. So. So Senzo's batting seventh, maybe. Sixth or seventh, right? Tucker Barnhart eight, pitcher ninth. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, all right. I mean, obviously, right. it could change. Uh, depending yeah, if he on gets hot, if he get yeah, if during the season, I think it could change. But I, I wouldn't change it right in the beginning. I don't want to put added pressure on this kid. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't, I don't think that's a, a big deal. But I don't think they need to put him that high in the order at this point. So my guess is he'll probably hit sixth. All right, Framber Valdez will win the competition for the fifth spot in the Astros rotation over up-and-comer Josh James and veteran Wade Miley. Valdez was positively electrifying down the stretch for the Astros last season, posting a 2.19 ERA across five starts and eight total appearances. While it'd be too bold to predict an ERA that stays under three, Valdez relies on a heavy sinker and sweeping curveball that both generate a ton of weak contact. Bill Dubiel from Roto Baller. Agree or disagree? Uh, I am going to disagree. I don't think he makes the rotation to start the year. What do you think he? Where do you think he appears? Uh, I think bullpen or or triple A. Uh, he needs better command to get into the rotation. Uh, so I think probably my guess is uh, could be the bullpen to start the year. They don't have a lefty in the bullpen there, so he would make sense. Right, you got Rondon, Davinsky, Harris, Presley. You, could, you, you, Presley. you could you could use um, Framber there. I don't have a problem putting Framber in the bullpen. I, I want to see him with the. I want to see him with the big club though. Uh, yeah, I think it probably will. But my guess is uh, you'll see uh, McHugh in this rotation. You'll see Josh James and Wade Miley, and then you have Forrest Whitley. Right, that guy's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to begin the year in the rotation. You'll see him up at some point. Agreed. All right. Ryan O'Hearn will, cl- will start to climb up the draft boards as he earns a full-time role with the Royals. O'Hearn hit 400 while blasting five home runs and four doubles last spring, yet he didn't even end up cracking the roster. When he finally got the call in August, he responded with 12 home runs over 170 plate appearances. There's concern that it may be platooned with Hunter Dozier due to his hitting splits, but another hot spring should help convince the rebuilding Royals to give him a chance to be an everyday player. Luke Glockner, Mr. Cheat Sheet. What do we say? Uh, I agree. I like his price right now. He's very cheap. You can get him uh, sometimes as a, a backup. You can just stash him on the bench. He, you don't, I don't even think you need to get him as a corner infielder at this point. Uh, he does draw a walk, so he gets on base, helping in on base percentage of leagues. Uh, I, I liked what I saw of him last year. I know it was a small sample, but he's got some pop. Uh, hits a lot of fly balls. Hits the ball hard, so... Uh, yeah, I like getting him, you know, as a, a backup first baseman for the reserves, especially in draft champions league. So I, I'll agree with that one. 
I like O'Hearn too. I think the the guy who's interesting to worry about here is Chris Owings, because Owings is a guy who could play everywhere. But if he starts playing third base and Hunter Dozier sits, then all of a sudden you've got the O'Hearn Dozier platoon going on at first base. If Owings doesn't play and Dozier starts at third, then O'Hearn probably gets most of the starts at first base. Yeah, I, I think if uh, O'Hearn is going to, I, I think he's going to play pretty much. He's on the better side of the platoon anyway. Uh, there'll be less lefties that he sees, so uh, I, I like him, and he should hit fourth, fifth in this order. Uh, again, not a great team, but you know if you got Mondesi and Merrifield getting on base and, and stealing and getting in scoring position, it'll give O'Hearn opportunities to drive and run. So I, I like him for his spot too uh, in in deeper mixed leagues. You know, fifteen team league, you can get him in the reserve round, and you could see how it plays out early on. And obviously, if he struggles or doesn't play as much, then you can move on. All right, Bryce Harper will remain unsigned. Bryce is looking to top the 10-year, $300 million deal signed by Machado. And while it seems likely to most of he will succeed, I can't help but wonder if teams are finally starting to wise up and realize one player may not be worth that much. KJ from Fantasy Team Advice. I think he signs. I mean, why? Would, uh, I don't see him sitting out. There's not a Le'Veon Bell situation. I think he signs. I think his comment was that he's not going to sign because, you know, he, he's not going to get the number he wants because people don't want to pay that number. And maybe people don't want to pay that number because, if you said, you said multiple times this week, the Phillies are bidding against the Phillies. But at the same time, I think they want to win, and uh, they're holding out as long as they could. But I think eventually they'll, they'll want him on the team. Now, let me ask you this. The Phillies come to Harper and say, look, 10 years, 270, that's it. You're Harper. You're like, I want 310 because I want more than Machado. Are you not signing this year because you're not getting that money? No, I think you got it. I think you'll eventually play. I mean, I just I can't see him sitting out. I would want a number that's bigger than 30 mil a year, but I don't need the 10-year contract. So I would say if I could get five years at 155 million, I probably would take it. Yeah, you could do that too—a shorter-term deal—and you know, go prove yourself, have your best season of your life over the next couple of years, and get some more money. But I think yeah. you know, with the the potential uh, strike in 2022, I think that's uh, what some people are concerned about, and that's why you're seeing the Aaron Nola's and Luis Severino sign these deals that look below market value. Why? Because you, what? What do you th- tell me more about with that? Do you think that the the numbers are going to go down, or what makes you think this? Or they won't get paid that year? What What makes you think that? I just think they're trying to lock up the guaranteed money now, uh, not knowing what's going to happen in 2022. What issues do you see that's going to force baseball to strike, if at all, in 2022, like it did years ago when we were younger? Well, these players not getting these contracts. I mean, it's a joke that Mike Moustakis can't get a deal longer than one year. I mean, he, he earned it. And you're seeing so many free agents unsigned. So that, I know, but is that problem. why play, play, and that's why they're going to strike? I mean, there's got to be a reason you're striking. I mean, baseball players get guaranteed money. Football players don't. Baseball but players not, do get a lot. Not, but they're not comparing it to football. That's not what they're doing. Yeah, but I don't know whether the revenues for baseball are as, as big as they are for the other sports. Not like they used no, to be. It's still big. It might not be ticket sales, but TV deals, merchandise, they still generate a ton of revenue. So you think there's a good chance that the players hold out for, for whatever it is in 2022? It's headed that way. You know, I think the players feel that there's collusion among the owners, and that's why a lot of these guys are not signed. Do you feel that 
baseball can withstand another strike. Because I'll tell you, my son, little, little Roto, goes to one baseball game a year with me. And I, this is a true story, Anna, by the way. So, you know, my father-in-law is coming in town. We're going to the baseball game in a couple of weeks. So I said to my son, I took a look at the spring training schedule. I go, do you want to go to the game next week? He goes, no. I said, you just want to go when uh, your grandfather's here? He's like, yes. I, I mean, do you think little kids like baseball as much anymore? Well, I think it's pace of the game is, uh, you know, we have attention spans that are real short right now. So that's the problem is everyone is, uh, you know, baseball is among the slower sports uh, compared to others. And it's hard to keep attentions of kids. That's the problem. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, my son's all about the videos. He would go to an NBA game in a second. Loves the NBA. You know, football's eh, not, not great for him, but he doesn't really understand it, so he asks me a thousand questions. But baseball, I'm telling you, by the fourth inning, that, guy, that kid is shot when we go to the game. He's just, just not fast enough. Oh, by the way, this is interesting because I know, like, you, you, people like to argue that football, like, you always see all the teams make the playoffs. Since the turn of the new century, every team in baseball has made a playoff appearance, and 13 different teams have won the World Series. Can't really? say that in other sports. Yep. Told you there's no repeat champs anymore. But Yankees I guess are the last I, team to repeat. But don't we associate 000. baseball, though, with the, with the big market clubs, right? The success. But it's, it's wrong. Is it wrong? It's wrong. I just gave you a stat where every team in baseball has made the playoffs since the turn of the century. Can we say that about other sports? No. But I guess the difference is, do the Seattle Mariners have any chance of making the playoffs this year? No. Do you feel that way in football? As, do we feel that way in, fo- in football that there's at least 10 teams that cannot win? Um, no, I mean, it, cause it cha- because you can turn your football team around a lot quicker nowadays. That's why. Right. That, that, right. You go sign a player. They're, they're free again, agency. A lot of baseball teams now are not putting money back into the team. That's the problem. So they said last year, baseball grows $10.3 billion and spent just over $4.5 billion on player salaries. That's why the players have That's why they're going to That's why they're gonna strike. So where's that other six bill going? Owner's pockets. Well, I, I would believe at least you know, one or two billions going there. I mean, but th- th- it's got to be going somewhere. I think that the players have an issue. And now, I, I mean, I remember when I was listening to the uh, Baltimore Orioles general manager on Sirius, he was talking about the international monies being very important. Like, they're, they're trying to find guys on the cheap in Latin America and places like that where they haven't done that in the past. Yeah, no, it is important. I mean, you can get some really good players out of there. Right, but it's also, a cheaper way, it's also a cheaper way to get players, right? And all that. People are making trades and trying to get that international money, right? Whether it's a right. quarter of a million, half a million, they're, they're trying to do things like that. So, strange. All right. Uh, let's see. i got one more for you. The Padres expedited their road to contention by signing Manny Machado. So why not also grab Dallas Keuchel? I, I think I said this. While he won't make him a formidable threat in 2019, the veteran Southpaw could offer some necessary stability atop the rotation while they groom a promising crop of pitching prospects. Andrew Gould, Fantasy Pros. Agree or disagree? The what team for Keuchel? The Padres. Um... Yeah, I think it would help him, uh, especially in that park. You know, he's a ground ball pitcher. So uh, they actually, I don't know if this is true, but reportedly they're not out on Harper. So I heard that. Where are they getting this money? Where are they getting this money? There's no salary cap, man. So I know, but, we're, but, but, but is San Diego, let me ask you this question. 
They add Bryce Harper. They add Manny Machado. Do you think they're filling that stadium? Yes. I mean, really? You wouldn't. I, if I lived in San Diego, that weather, perfect. And you add Machado and Harper. Hell yeah, I'm going to freaking games with the young players. No, I have. know, but you're a baseball guy. But I don't. I wonder whether it's, or not, even with all. Do you would. remember when the Marlins did all this and they still couldn't even fill the stadium? But that, stadium? that's not. A, but Florida has never been a baseball town. It never has, no matter what. I am very much hoping that the Padres are successful. I really am. Because I want to see teams like the Padres step up and pay for these guys and then have people come and then have their stadium rocking. I want them to succeed. I just wonder whether or not in, in three years they're going to be like the Angels when they're regretting all these, at least all these uh, signings. Like the Pujols signing, the Angels regretted right away. Big difference. Look at the age of when they signed. This is 25 and 26, Harper Machado. Pujols was older, and we knew towards the end of the contract it was going to be bad. These guys are young. Machado's still a stud defensively, so that's a big difference. You're paying for their prime. With Pujols, you were paying for his past. No, that, that's certainly true. How do the, but how do the, the, the Padres afford a, a Harper? Because I'd love to see Harper go there. I don't know where he fits. I mean, that's another guy in the outfield, but, man, I'd love to see Harper go there. Yeah, I doubt it happens, uh, but I think it's just because we have no hardly any other teams in the mix uh, that you're you're hearing them because it sounds like teams are out. So I think the Giants always come up with with money. The Giants are one of those teams that they always seem to have money when they need to have money. And man, they they could use him desperately. They got nothing there. This team, the Giants are terrible at it. If you're Harper, why would you want to go there? I wouldn't. It's one of the worst parks for left-handed batters. Uh, I, you know, and they're not a team that's close to winning right now. Uh, I just, I wouldn't want to go there. I wouldn't either. I'd want to go to Philadelphia and I'd want to stick it to Washington, but there's got to be something holding this up. I don't know why he's waiting and not going because I mean, it seems like it's too logical. Yeah. Again, there was some report that maybe he's not sold on Philly. So that, that could be the case. Maybe he says he doesn't want to go there. You don't want a small park. You don't want to. Uh, it's not no. that. It's more than that. I mean, you, you, you're committing there for a long time. You got to feel comfortable and want to be there. I mean, yeah, money becomes a factor. But what if there's something about Philly that he doesn't like and doesn't want to live there? I mean, you got to take that into account. No, which is why I don't think I would sign a 10 year contract. I'd want to sign a five year, $155 million contract. That's what I want to do if I'm Harper so I can get out. Well, it's either. Well, the other side of that is if you get the 10 years, it's all guaranteed money. So that's that's what you're have to decide. Do you want? I can't get 155 million guaranteed. I'm sure I can. Yeah, but would you rather have 155 or 300 mil? No, no, it's it's a good point. But I I I think I could get another five year contract in five years. It may not just be worth 150 though. It might be worth 100. That's the problem. Or it could be worth more. You don't know how the market's gonna shift. Right. Exactly. What if it shifts in my favor? I'm now making uh, 200 mil, like the NBA. All right, we'll discuss more about this. Small market clubs, fantasy baseball style, when Scout Fantasy Sports turns right after this. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire.
All right, we're back. We're Scout Fantasy Sports. Dr. Roto here along with Adam Ronis. And by the way, what I need you to do, I need you to go to scoutfantasysports.com right now. Sign up for our fantasy baseball package. All right, that's BATS50. BATS50 will give you 50% off your first two months. And I know I'm working on my fantasy uh, baseball in a nutshell, Ronis. I had my White Sox team preview up today. What are you working on? A bunch of different articles have a pitcher that I think is going to break out that you can see uh, another player being drafted after around 15 that will break out, hit 30 home runs. If you look at his numbers the last couple of years, it doesn't look like it. So you'll be like, what the hell are you talking about? But I dig deep uh, to show you why he actually did improve last year. So uh, a lot more articles like that in the process. Uh, we'll have our preseason and pro picks coming up as well. So uh, lots more on the horizon in my rankings. Updated. Every day, uh, they are now posted. Every minute, I heard. I try to update as often as possible. And as I you know, go through drafts myself and see some numbers and do research, obviously, uh, some things change. I tend, to, I tend to update my rankings every week because I need to see it like as, as a whole. And then when I know stuff, I can, I can do that. I, I, I don't know. I, just, I can't do that every day. Maybe I should, but I, I feel like I'm better if I just do it like in a week's of, week at a time. Like I get a feeling of what's going on. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I mean, whatever works for people. I mean, but I'll just kind of sometimes I'll look at the rankings uh, on the page and I'll be like, wait a second. How do I have this guy higher than that? So sometimes as you're putting him in because we do it on a uh, you know, Google Doc. Sometimes it it doesn't really catch your eye. And then when I go and look. Yes. Yeah. And like sometimes uh, like someone posted on a message board and this happens sometimes. Sometimes I'll put a duplicate number and you don't see it. So I'll put two guys at 45. And when that happens, one guy is eliminated. So someone's like, hey, I don't see you have Byron Buxton right. Oh, I I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, I did. But I had two guys at 45. So now I got to go change the whole thing. So I appreciate everyone who looks at that. And if you find any mistake like that, because it can happen. Let me know. Um, obviously, I use this for my draft, too. Uh, I haven't used it for box yet, but I will use it for my first. Uh, I mean, I, gotta, I, I have a solo draft coming up for the uh, Fantasy Baseball Invitational, which begins on Sunday. They're doing it on the NFBC site, so it's 15 teams, 30 rounds. So we're playing like the NFBC high stakes waivers. So that's a slow draft. I have picked 12 uh, as part of the Champions League, and so that – kicks off Sunday, and then I got Tout Wars on March 5th. I was going to say, your Tout Wars comes up pretty soon, though, right? Next week. Yeah, a week from Tuesday. Yeah. All right, so the, I'm, I'm going to beat Dr. Roto League, Rona. So we're in the middle of round two. So went Trout, Betts, Ramirez, no shock there, Acuna, Scherzer, J.D. Martinez, Arenado, I took Yelich, Trey Turner, Bregman, Machado, DeGrom. Are you surprised that Bregman went 10 and Machado went 11? Um, a little bit in mind. They both went in the second round. Again, I think at that point it comes down to your preference. I mean, I think Bregman's a stud. I think he's a top hitter. I think the reason why some people are pushing him down a little bit is become he's coming off this elbow surgery. Although I did see that he made throws across the diamond the other day, so that's obviously a good sign. Uh, so I think it comes down to kind of preference. These are twelve team leagues too. It's a little bit different. A lot of the leagues that we have been discussing have been fifteen team leagues. Uh, and I play in mostly 15-team leagues, so the 12, uh, it's a little bit different. So now in round two, Altuve goes to the team with DeGrom. Goldschmidt goes to the team with Machado. Baez goes to the team with Bregman. Stanton goes to the team with Turner. By the way, you haven't heard the name Lindor yet. I take Judge to go with Yelich. Sale goes with Arenado. Lindor finally goes as the sixth, you know, to te- the sixth 
pick team. So he's got J.D. Martinez and Lindor. Are you surprised that Lindor fell that far? No, I think we've been seeing that. He went fifth pick of the second round in my first scout 44. So I just think people are concerned uh, with the calf injury and how is it going to hurt his ability to steal bases because a lot of his value derives from that. And, you know, say he is able to come back first, second week of April, it's cold in the East Coast and especially Cleveland the first month or two. Does that give him the red light for a while and, you know, do those stolen bases get cut down? I think maybe some people are starting to look at the Cleveland lineup and saying there's not much here at all. So, no, I'm not surprised. And you remember, this is a league, too, where you can't make any moves. So it's different in a league where you have the ability to go to the waiver wire. And even in this format, it's 44 rounds. So you can find someone to replace them. But uh, you really don't want to go into the season with someone that you know already has an injury. You're just not sure how it's going to heal. I mean, we saw Josh Donaldson, and I know he was older, played on turf, uh, really struggled to come back from it. So I think people just uh, have some question marks. Juan Soto was the next pick Rona, so 2-8. That seems very early. When you've got Trevor Story and Freddie Freeman on the board, somebody's taking Juan Soto. Yeah, I'd take Story and Freeman over uh, Soto there for sure. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, look, when you're playing these leagues, and let's just say, look, it's 44 bucks. You're doing it for draft prep. Are you willing to just take more chances and say, hey, look, I like Juan Soto. I want him on my team. Or do you always, no matter what the league, try to play it differently, you know, uh, strategically? Yeah, no, I'm playing it to win. So but any league is the same. I just might have a slightly different strategy in a league where I can't make any moves. You know, I might take a, a couple closers that I don't love just because they have the job at least going into the year. So... Uh, I'm not going to play it that way. Right. No, I, I don't blame you. I, sometimes, though, if, if all things are equal, though, and I'm playing a league like this, I may try a different strategy, but I'm always trying to do a strategy where I can win. Yeah, I mean, that's ultimately what you want to do, and this is, you know, prep to get you ready for your real draft. That's the way I look at it. No, and that's how I build it out to people. I was like, look, this is, this is the best draft prep you can do. You go 44 rounds deep, uh, you, you, you're ready for your draft, Adam. Absolutely, and uh, that's why I always try to do uh, several of these uh, before my real drafts. Well, obviously, March is a big month for drafts, and uh, you know I obviously have the uh, Invitational starting on Sunday. That's a slow draft, so uh, that's the first big one to kick off the year. So not that you're going to reveal your pick on the air, but in case you want to, you have pick number 12. Give me three guys you're hoping to get, or maybe I'll throw them out to you. Are you hoping to get DeGrom possibly at twelve? Uh, yeah, he's in, in consideration. Will you take a judge at 12? Yeah, I mean, he doesn't usually go that early, but he's in consideration as well. Would you take a Machado at 12? I have been in recent drafts. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure about that. Uh, I might try to opt for some more. Again, I don't think he's going to be hurt in a big way by the move, but maybe maybe the counting stats go down just a little bit unless that lineup improves. But that park for right-handed power has actually been fine the last couple of years. And, you know, I tend to believe that if you're a really good player, you're probably going to hit anywhere. So uh, I felt a lot better about Machado in that spot before. A uh, little bit of a hesitation now that he is in San Diego. Would you take Altuve? No. Right, I know that's not your style. But I see, I know you like speed, but I know you don't like guys who don't have enough power. 
So is there a guy where you're picking who's got both those? Because I don't know whether I see that. Like Bregman I like, but he's not healthy. And then Machado doesn't really have the speed. Altuve doesn't have the power. You know, Judge doesn't have enough speed, but he has plenty of power. Would you take Lindor at 12? I don't think so. I don't think so at this point. Uh, I do think Machado has some speed, though. He stole 14 last year. San Diego has been a team that's been uh, more aggressive than the teams that he's come from. So it's just, I guess you're just trying to read into what is Machado going to do. Is he going to scale back? Is he going to be aggressive? Because he has the ability to give you 10, 15 steals. And I'm fine with that uh, from even Judge. Judge can get you 10. Uh, Bregman can get 10 to 15. Freeman, don't, you know, he had nine last year. So, yeah, it's not a lot, but it's something. And if you get a bunch of guys that give you around 10, and then you find a couple in the middle that give you 25 here, 20 here, and that's generally how I've built my teams in the past. I never, ever have D. Gordon, Billy Hamilton, Malik Smith. I never have those guys on my team. And I don't want to say that because maybe there's a draft where one of those guys really falls and I take them. It's highly unlikely, though. I just don't build my teams that way. I need but, to get some power out of the guy that's going to be – if there's a guy that's stealing 30, 40, I need some power with him. But it's a 15-team league. I think it's a very fair comment for me to say you will take a, a pitcher either and pick one or pick two. You can't not, wait no, until round three. I, I'm not – you know what? I'm not certain that's going to happen. I, really? I, I, it's Because you, you might lose out on everybody, even the Walker Buellers of the world. The bat, I don't – they're not going to be there for you. Don't care. This is a league where you have waiver wire moves. I'm not as concerned. And the draft champions, yeah, I can't go to the waiver wire to fix my problems. I can in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. So I'm so not. So are you okay with your first pitcher being Patrick Corbin? Because yeah, that's, what, that's what we might be. If you wait until round four, you might be looking at Patrick Corbin. Where was Patrick Corbin drafted last year? Where was Trevor Bauer drafted last year? Where was Walker Bueller drafted last year? Right? I mean, these are the guys going in the first two, three rounds. There's going to be other guys. I got to find them. Clevenger was a guy I had last year. Bauer was a guy I had last year. Just got to find them. So if I feel like there's an elite bat there in round two, uh, I'm, it's not a lock. I'm actually kind of leaning towards not taking a pitcher right now. So basically, I'm just going to throw out an idea. So let's just argue for our judges there at 12, and you come back in round two, and you take Goldschmidt, and you're Judge Goldschmidt. I know you'd be happy with that start. Yeah, I'm absolutely fine with that. Right. So then you'll just wait until round three or four and, you know, take a picture there. Maybe not. I'm not going to reach. It uh, depends on who it is, but I'm not going to reach on a picture. So... Uh, that's a possibility that uh, maybe there is four bats in the first four rounds. I'm very intrigued by this, Adam Ronas. Very intrigued by your draft on Sunday. Because, you know, with me, with Labor and FSTA, I had pick three and four. I knew for sure I was going to take a pitcher in round three. Right? This it was a no-brainer. It's a different area, though, because I mocked right. from there the other night. Right. And I did not like the bats on the two-three turn. I actually looked back, and I'm like, maybe I should have went two pitchers. Right. Um, I agree. No, I no. You go Nola Snell. You Snell go Bueller. Nola, Nola hasn't been making it back. Okay, so you, you go Snell. Uh, you go uh, Carrasco uh, Snell. You go Bueller Carrasco Bauer Snell. I'm good with any of that. I think that's a great spot there for them. You can do that, but when you're picking on the end at the end of the 15, you're probably not gonna get those pitchers. So you have to make a decision. <laughs> do you take a bat that? you know, you feel really good about, or, or do you reach on a pitcher just to get one? So 
I'm kind of leaning towards uh, not taking the pitcher right now. I think the only pitcher I'm taking if I'm you is Jacob DeGrom. He's I'm not, not gonna, taking Sale. You have to I'm not take DeGrom at 12 if he's right. there. I'm saying, what I'm saying. I'm, right, I'm not taking Sale. I'll tell you that right now. I'm not taking Verlander. I'm not going to reach for Nola as much as I like him. I'm not going to reach. I think my only choice for you is DeGrom at 12 if that's what you want to do. DeGrom went in a mock I did the other night at 7 overall. Well, well, that's that's interesting because I was just thinking that it may be decided for you. Maybe Degrom's gone before you pick, and then there's no. Tr- and then you're definitely taking a hitter. Yeah, so that's the, that's the thing. Could you I, take I've, Javi Baez at twelve? No, not for me. I wouldn't. Not your kind of guy, right? No, I'm I'm kind of back and forth on him. I mean, I don't love the approach at the plate. You know, he actually swung at a lot of bad pitches last year. I mean, there's no doubt he's talented. And, you know, I think the power and speed is legit. Uh, I just worry that maybe the, the batting average drops off a little bit. So uh, there's, there's some concerns for me to take him at 12. I feel better about him in the second round, uh, just getting someone with a little bit of a more consistent higher floor. But, you know, Baez has been pretty good the last, uh, you know, three years. He's had double-digit steals three straight years. Obviously, everything put together last year. He is uh, just 26 years old, too. So um, he's a player that I – kind of go back and forth on because he didn't hit a lot of five balls he doesn't have like the best hard hit rate and i do think uh, he is prone to prolonged slumps because you know he just chases so much and uh, eventually that usually catches up to you i'm just a little worried adam and i know you're not because you're the great adam ronas baseball genius i think if you don't take a pitcher by round four you're in big trouble you're in big trouble because it's 15-team leagues and pitchers are going faster than ever before. And you're going to have to be so right in those middle rounds that there's a lot of pressure there. You're going to need one guy. And I think you have an early enough pick in round four that you can still get maybe Tyon, maybe Corbin, maybe Paxton. You still can get one of those guys, which I think you need there. Uh, I don't see it that way. Last year, Tout Wars, I took one pitcher in the first six rounds. Who was it? Madison Baumgartner, who disappointed. And I was tied for first going into the final weekend. Why? Garrett Cole in round seven. That was a steal. Jamison Tyon in the double-digit round. So I don't see it that way because you can. I can easily point to the guys who take two pitches in the first four rounds. They could easily get hurt. I mean, really, Walker Buehler and James Paxton in, in the first two, first four rounds. Is that supposed to make you feel comfortable? Paxton never throws innings. Walker Buehler is coming off. Uh, again, I like him, but you know, do they they have depth in that pitching staff? So d- does he stay healthy? Is he as dominant as he was last year? Do teams adjust to him? So I could easily look at teams who take two pitches in the first four rounds, and you could see them busting. So I don't think you have to. It's draft champions a little bit different because you can't make any moves. I, I want to have at least. Uh, one of those guys, but I think in a redraft league where you got the waiver wire and the ability to make trades, um, unless it's high stakes leagues, I, I don't think you have to. All right, well, I'm very intrigued by this. Can we discuss your draft on Monday? Will you uh, send me the draft board so we can? Uh... It's a slow draft, so we I don't know how many rounds we'll have. Uh, what when does it start? Sunday. Sunday. What time? Mm-hmm. What time? I think 1 p.m. Eastern. All right, so we should be able to have probably the first two rounds up by then, right? I would hope. Yeah, I, I I always think that people it starts. When, when are you hope how many how many rounds is it? Thirty rounds. So you're hoping to be done when? 
Uh, three, three weeks? It's all two weeks? pretty much industry people. I think we can get it done two, two and a half weeks. I think it's a four-hour clock, so uh, I'd expect it to get done pretty quickly. I, I think two weeks. Does the clock go all, all the time, or does it get shut down at night? No, it should shut down at night. I think it's between midnight and 8 a.m. Eastern, I believe. Yeah, that's the norm, right? So, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm very interested, Ronas. I'm usually not interested, but I'm this one I'm interested because at pick 12, I think, is a lot of questions that people have. So, I mean, I, like you said, I think at certain points in the draft, when you mock at 3-4, you know what you can do. When you're at 6-7, you know what you can do. But at your point, you know, if you don't take that picture there, I want to see how it shakes out for you. Yeah, I mean, I, again, it really kind of depends on the board, but I don't feel like I have to take a picture around two. Agreed. All right, so who's coming up in hour number two, Adam? Uh, Vlad Sedler from FantasyGuru.com. Obviously, he's a good high-stakes player as well, and he's a participant in the Tout Wars Draft and Hold League right now. That is also a slow draft, so we're going to talk about his team, his strategy, and some thoughts on the players that he drafted and why he's in on him for this upcoming year. He's a very good player. Yes, he is, uh, and he plays in a lot of high-stakes leagues. Yeah, he really does. He's got to be in, like, in the top five of uh, fantasy baseball, guys. He's very good. What, real quick, what do you think makes a great player like that besides preparation? Um, but, you know, putting together a successful roster. You know, you have to understand all the categories that you have to hit, the percentiles that you have to be in, especially when you're in a high-stakes league. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of people – know every player it's just a matter of uh, putting that puzzle together and uh vlad obviously has shown that he does a really good job of it that's true all right so stay tuned for the roto gut vlad settler in hour number two with adam and uh, that should be a great conversation but for me i'm out of here guys uh so i wish you guys all a good weekend uh this is dr Rosing. be well and take care i'm going to the uh, red Sox game i'm watching the yankees ronis is yankees i'm watching them this week ronis i'll be able to report back for you and let you know how you never my right? yankees don't mislead people I hate doing that. All right, guys. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here solo for the final hour of the week, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern as we do each and every weekday. You can listen to this show live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern or on demand anytime you want. Just go to podcast, search Scout Fantasy Sports, hit subscribe, and you'll be notified when there are new episodes uploaded, which are usually pretty much uh, immediately after the show. Lots to get to in this hour. We'll have Vlad Sedler, fantasyguru.com. He's an excellent high-stakes player and is currently in a – uh, draft and whole league for Tout Wars. They introduced a new league this year, and it is a 15-team, 50-round draft and whole league. And uh, Vlad Sedler is one of the participants in it, in it, as well as our old friend Mike Florio. He had the one pick in this. 
Uh, Matt Modica, we had him on earlier in the week to talk about his team, as well as Anthony Aniano and Doug Anderson. We had all those guys on this week, so you can check out any of the shows on demand to hear their thoughts. But we'll get the thoughts of Vlad Sedler, who had pick number seven in this. So that's coming up in the next segment. You can always check out all my work on ScoutFantasySports.com. Follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis and on the gram at Aaron88. And if you want to take me on in a 12-team, 44-round, slow draft, draft champions basically, where you set your lineup and that is it. No weekly moves, uh, no waiver wire, no trades. All you do is set your lineup every week. If you want to take me on, uh, the opportunity is here. Um, doing one right now that's in round 27, uh, but a new one just opened up. So it's $44, slow draft, four-hour clock, shuts off overnight. Uh, PlayFFWC.com. So if you want to take me on, now's your opportunity. I'm letting you know now it's going to be difficult. Did four of these last year, first in three, second in the other. So if you're up for a challenge, here's your opportunity. So PlayFFWC.com. Sign up now to join and take me on. You can check out all my work, ScoutFantasySports.com. Our fantasy baseball draft kit is loaded with a ton of great content. Use the promo code BATS50 to get 50% off your first two months. You get to ask questions catered to your league, and we will answer them. Uh, myself, Dr. Otto, and Sean Childs, anytime you want. Uh, we also have lots of good articles. Dr. Otto is looking at his team in a nutshell. The Chicago White Sox are his latest team. Sean Childs, one of the best high-stakes players around. He's in the NFBC Hall of Fame. He has uh, went deep. He scorched the earth on every baseball team, his uh, profiles are complete. You can get a free sample of the Red Sox and the Orioles if you want to see exactly what he does and how he goes in depth. You could check that out. I have a ton of uh, interesting articles. My, uh, I take a look at a breakout picture for this year that I really like. Uh, going in the you know, around 12, 13 right now. Might climb up. He might gain some steam, but uh, encouraging signs from him. Uh, a lot of things that I like. Uh, so you can find out who that is. Also a player that is going after round 15 that I see a breakout coming from, and he's still pretty cheap right now in a lot of drafts. And I take a look at a lot of players changing teams and what it means for their fantasy value. Yasu Puig, Nelson Cruz, Sonny Gray, and a lot, lot more. Uh, it's all part of our fantasy baseball draft kit. We'll have our preseason pro picks coming out. I think beginning next week for myself, Dr. Roto and Sean Childs looking at sleepers, busts, breakout players, rebound candidates, and stash and cash. So lots of content. And my rankings are out as well, and they're updated consistently, usually daily, and especially now with games underway as we finally have some spring games. There will obviously be a lot of news filtering in and out. And uh, as I go through drafts and continue to do research, I might move a player up a few spots, move a player down. But just remember, the rankings are a guide. Please don't go strictly by it. You know, I've talked about this. I hate the three top 300, top 250 list. I think it is a waste of time, and I won't do it. I know a couple people in the, in the past have asked for it, but it's so misleading because I know what a lot of you guys do. You print it out, and as guys are drafted, you cross off names. Then you look at the list, and you go, oh, well, the highest guy here, uh, I have to take this guy. He's ranked 78. And the next best player available is 122. Well, that player not, might, might not fit your team. Because if you go by that list and say you've drafted Jonathan VR, and now all of a sudden the next guy on the list is Billy Hamilton, like, do you really want 
two guys like that. That uh, now VR has got more power. Um, so maybe a better example is you drafted Malik Smith, and now the next guy on the list is Billy Hamilton. Do you really want Hamilton and Malik Smith on the same team? I mean, I don't even want one of them on my team. It's not the way I build mine. You want two of those guys that are going to combine and give you seven home runs and 60 RBIs? Do you want two spots in your outfield taking up those spots? I don't. But if you're blindly drafting from a top 300 list, then how am I supposed to rake a pitcher compared to an outfielder? I mean, it all depends on what your team looks like at that point. So those lists are brutal. So just remember, those rankings are a guide. And you might disagree with some of them. I might have a third baseman that you like better than my number eight ranked third baseman. Still your team. You know, I appreciate everyone who trusts my opinion. But I get things wrong, too. Now, I got things wrong last year. You know, I hit on Blake Trinan and Trevor Bauer and Mike Clevenger and a bunch of guys. But I was off on Jeff Samarja. He, you know, that was a guy that I liked a lot. I thought 200 innings, 200 Ks, and obviously injuries happen, but it didn't work out. So we're all going to be wrong on things. Uh, the goal is to be right more often than not, and I think most of the time that happens for me. So I'll, I'll do my best to get you those players. But remember, those rankings are just a guide, uh, and you don't have to go strictly by it. I mean, even sometimes for me, you know, I might take a guy I've ranked 13th at third base over the guy I have ranked 11th. That means I think they're really close. And maybe I already have the guy at 11 on several teams, and I want some diversity, and I want to spread it out. So uh, I appreciate everyone who asks for the rankings and, and uses them. Uh, it means a lot. But, again, it's just a guide. You know, you can always, if you have differing opinions and you've done your research, feel free to go in that other direction. But, uh you know, again, put a lot of time into this, so uh, hopefully it helps you guys out. And that's the goal here is to help you guys win. We also have ScoutDFS.com where you got you covered for NHL. Those guys have been on fire. In case you missed it earlier in the week, Steve Renner won over $36,000. So write-ups there, optimizer, Slack chat leading up to lineup lock. NBA is back. Thank goodness. Had a fun night watching the NBA last night. I'm going to preview the slate for tonight in NBA in the final segment as well. Uh, so we'll get to that and, uh, VegasWhispers.com for your sports betting needs. So just want to take a look now at the, um, scout 44 I've been involved in and I've been talking about it. So if you missed, uh, some of it, we went over this, uh, I think two days ago, some of the episodes earlier in the week, so you can check it out and, uh, I'll kind of go more into, uh, the players that I didn't get to. I was picking 11th in this one. And I started off with Jacob DeGrom, Manny Machado in round two. This is before he signed with the Padres. Uh, in this format, he has third and shortstop eligibility. Then Trevor Bauer, Reese Hoskins, Anthony Rendon, Tommy Pham, David Dahl, Jose Peraza, A.J. Pollock, Nick Castellanos. And Castellanos in round 10, you know, he was my fourth outfielder. And to me, this was a... A play where I said, you know, this is good value. Like, I don't think he should be here in this spot. Um, so that's kind of why I went in that direction. You know, I th that was a tough call because I was looking at a closer potentially. And there were, you know, about three guys left that I – about three to four guys that I liked in the top tier uh, of closers left that I wanted to take. And I debated it, and I looked, and I said, all right, I'm going to take a shot here. When you pick 11, you have to make these decisions because you know that there's going to be a long run. So I said, all right, I'm hoping that one of those guys makes it back. And I'll take Castellanos because I felt like, you know, he was the, the best player on the board. And, you know, sometimes you don't always do that. 
in rounds 10 to 11, but this is a 12-team league, and I just decided, you know what? I'm going to take the best player on the board. Castellanos is a player I really like, hits the ball really hard. And, you know, the Tigers lineup wasn't very good last year. This guy still had 23 homers, 89 RBIs, 88 runs, and batted 298. This guy's just a really good hitter. Now we'll get Miguel Cabrera back this year. Well, if he can stay healthy, uh, that's obviously a big question mark. But uh, Castellanos, just very solid numbers across the board. I mean, yes, I would like more power for sure. Um, the 298 average, I don't know if that'll stick. Uh, you know, it was he had a 361 BABIP last year. His career mark is 333. His career average is 274. In the last three years, he's been 285, 272, 298. So 280, 285 would be great for sure. And he obviously hits a ton of line drives, too. I don't know if that 28.8% line drive rate is repeatable, but his career mark is 26%. And uh, even though it seems like a lot of the Tigers' hard hit rates are definitely inflated a little bit, uh, we do know that he hits the ball hard. So I just felt like he was the best player on the board at that point. And I said, all right, I'll wait to get my closer. Now, unfortunately, a lot of the closers that I wanted went off the board. And uh, Jose Leclerc went one pick before me. And uh, you, you, it's a league where you can't make any moves, so you kind of have to pull the trigger. So I went with Cody Allen in round 11, who I do have some concerns about. The one thing we do know, he has closer experience, and he has the job. With the Angels, I think he has a pretty long leash. Would be my guess. Uh, obviously, he's still, you know, he's 30 years old. But we saw some disturbing trends last year. We saw the strikeout percentage went down. We saw the walk rate went up. We saw the home runs went up. So definitely is a little bit of a concern. The strikeout rate was down 5% to 27.7%. The walk rate was up to 11.4%. We did see him over the 10% mark in 2016. So it has been an issue at times. Uh, and he just gave up a ton of home runs, too, and uh, a lot of hard contact. So uh, he is a fly ball guy, 50% fly ball rate last year. Maybe part of it was maybe he was hiding an injury. We never know. Uh, he could have been battling something. The fastball velocity was down one mile per hour last year. So do I feel great about him? No. But this is the range where you get into where you don't feel good. Uh, Allen struggled to throw first pitch strikes last year, 53.6%. That's not what you want to see from a guy coming out of the bullpen. But we're just in that area now where you just don't feel good. So in hindsight, probably should have taken that closer in round 10 uh, and passed on Castellanos. But, you know, this is why you do these drafts uh, to kind of figure things out and and learn from it uh, going forward. So I don't think it crushes my team, but obviously uh, I'm going to have some questions at the closer position. Uh, but that's a way that you can attack that later on. I think I touched upon it a couple days ago, around 12, Wilson Contreras, uh, to get a number one catcher with Contreras' ability around 12 in this format where you have to start two. I uh, thought it was pretty good value. Uh, and afterwards, the run started. Yasmani Grandal, Wilson Ramos, Salvador Perez, Yadier Molina all went in that round. So that is one area where I timed it right because had I waited and come back, I wouldn't have felt as good. So you could see two different contrasting areas where – Okay, uh, probably made a decision that hurt a little bit. But again, you move on. You overcome it. You know the player pool. You figure it out. You just can't worry about it. Just move on. Uh, but in this instance, I think time to right. Then in round 13, uh, since I you know took two pitchers in the first three rounds, I kind of attacked bats after and then came back and got Cole Hamels in round 13. Hamels, I, I like this year. Uh, you know, he was in Texas and he was terrible. And we know that's a tough pitch to pit, a place to pitch, and of course he had the, uh, you know, the ballpark and 
all those issues there in Texas and struggled, but he went to the Cubs and he was much better. This is a guy that's been durable throughout his career, someone that you can count on for 180, 190 innings. I mean, in 2017 was the first year he didn't throw 200-plus innings since 2009. So this is a guy that you, you know you can count on, and uh, the numbers were much better when he went to the Cubs. So uh, it gives me, to me, a high floor, uh, you know, a pretty stable profile uh, for Hamels there uh, to back up Bauer and DeGrom. So I thought he was a good fit for that team. Then in round 14, came back with Eduardo Rodriguez of the Red Sox, who I feel made some improvements last year. And uh, I still think that there's more ability that he has. Uh, even pitching in the tough American leagues, he's 25 years old. Uh, and, you know, he's been bothered by knee injuries. And I think that's kind of hurt him a little bit. Uh, so you want to see the innings jump a little bit because we just haven't seen it the last couple of years. 129 and two-thirds last year, 137 and a third in 2017. Uh, but I do think he has the ability to stay healthy. We saw the ERA under four last year. We saw the strikeout rate was really good. And uh, he was at 26.4%. Uh, whip was 1.26. So I still feel like there's kind of more from him. He doesn't allow a lot of hard contact. He was at 27.9%. Hard contact rate last year. Throws 93-94 with the fastball. Has the changeup and a cutter as well. And does induce uh, quite a few swings and misses, 11.1%. Uh, and uh, I just think that there's there's more here. And uh, I expect him to take a step up this year. So to get him in round 14, pretty pleased with that. Round 15, when with Yoan Moncada. I didn't have a second baseman. And Moncada was a guy that I had in several leagues last year including Tout Wars, and it was a disappointing year. Now, in Tout Wars, it's OBP, so you, he's a little better in that format because he does draw walks, but he's 23 years old. Uh, he's one of the top prospects. He's not really a target for me this year. This was just a case of, oh, I need a second baseman, and uh, it's getting pretty thin at the position at this point, and it's round 15 for a guy that has the ability to hit a ton of home runs and steal bases. If he can you know, get better at the plate, he also will get the multiple position eligibility if they continue to use him at third base, which is their plan right now. Um, you know, I mentioned the OVP. It wasn't as great last year just because the average was low and he struck out a lot. It was 315. Two years ago, it was 338, but that was only over 54 games. But he had 17 homers, 12 stolen bases. You know, the key is dropping that strikeout rate. He was at 33.4%. Um, and we have seen players make that change. Uh, he, you know, hits the ball hard. He hits line drives. It's just a matter of kind of changing that approach and maybe not swinging as many pitches uh, out of the strike zone and not being as aggressive. You know, he does work deep counts uh, for sure. So I think there's still a lot of ability. He's just 23 years old, and I think a lot of times that we do tend to give up on players relatively quickly, and he did gain some steam and helium and drafts last year as he was moving up draft boards. And uh, because he was a disappointment, you know, people jump off the bandwagon. So, you know, I felt like in round 15 – you know, he was a pretty good value where I felt like there was starting to be a drop at the second base position, and I didn't really love what was left. And uh, to me, he had the highest ceiling of, of the second baseman left on the board, so that's why I went in that direction. We'll have a lot more on this draft coming up next week, but when we return, Vlad Sedler, FantasyGuru.com. He's in the Tout Wars Draft and Hold League. He's one of the best players around, so you're going to want to stay tuned, get his thoughts and insight on how he's building his team right now. That's all I had right here. Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. 
From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Back here, Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Friday afternoon. You can check me out, scoutfantasysports.com, as our fantasy baseball draft kit is underway, loaded with a great content already and a lot more to come over the next few weeks as we get you set to dominate in fantasy baseball. And someone who has a great track record in fantasy sports and especially fantasy baseball is... Vlad Sedler, you can find him, fantasyguru.com. Vlad, what's up? What's going on, Adam? Happy Friday, man. Yes, definitely. And uh, it is a happy Friday because we actually have baseball games on the television. Oh, yeah. It's that time, finally. It feels like it always takes a while to get going. And we got to get through the spring. Still got about a month to go, but March 20th season opens in Japan. And uh, you are participating in the new Tout Wars Draft and Hold League. 15 teams, 50 rounds, no waiver wire moves, no trades. You just set your lineup. And obviously you're very familiar with this format because you've done a ton of draft champions over the years. How much does your strategy change in this type of format? It's interesting. So I've done uh, already uh, four of uh, these, uh, these these types of formats uh, with the 50 rounders, and so it's fun and gives me a nice uh, understanding and, and uh, idea of, you know, tier drop-offs and where I may be able to get some of my targets. Uh, but with this one, um, you know, it's a satellite league. It's a closed 15-person uh, league, and there is no overall prize component. And so uh, there's certain things like uh, saves, for example. I don't necessarily need to go out of my way to, you know, grab a whole bunch. Uh, basically just ended up getting my, my second closer here uh, in the second in the 16th round. So, uh, you know, something like saves or, you know, different things where I may be able to, um, you know, sort of figure it out uh, during the, the course of the season um, and sort of build up with all the depth that I have with it being 50 rounds and all. And Ron, you had pick seven overall and you took Max Scherzer. Did you expect him to be there? I have seen drafts where he goes three, four, five. So it kind of varies. But were you planning on taking Scherzer, or were you surprised that he was there? And once he was on the board, you felt like it was an easy call. You know, I um, typically, not, you know, though I like getting early pitching, I'm not usually a first-round pitcher kind of guy. Uh, but Max Scherzer there at pick seven, I think, just made a lot of sense. I in the FSTA draft, he had gone five, so I was, th- I was thinking there was a chance he wouldn't make it to me. Uh, I would have been happy with Christian Yelich. I would have been happy with JD Martinez. But neither of those guys were there. And so figured Scherzer would provide me with a good base where I wouldn't really have to sort of fight for uh, my first starting pitcher in the next few rounds, just solidify early on and then just sort of build out from there uh, and try to get as good of an offense as I can considering my pitcher being my first pick. Was there anyone else in consideration for that pick that went after that you thought about? Or uh, was once you saw him drop, you said, yeah, this just makes too much sense. I'm going to take him here. Yeah, that was the plan. At that point, I figured, um, you know, I'd start Max and probably grab another pitcher in the third round. 
and uh, that way I could, you know, sort of wait, wait it out and go after some of my favorite targets in the mid-rounds for my SP3 through SP6. Round two, you took Andrew Benintendi. Francisco Lindor went one pick before you, and we have seen Lindor slip in drafts. In that spot right now, would you have taken Lindor if he was on the board for you? I would have. Um, you know, that's pick 23 overall. Uh, there is a sort of a cutoff point. I think mine is probably a little, um, a little further up than most. Like, for me, it's like 18 to 20. Anything after that, I think I'd consider Lindor. Uh, I am a little cautious, and, and, you know, I'm thinking that seven to nine weeks may end up being longer than that. It may be even something that lingers. So perhaps that's a blessing in disguise. I love Ben Attendee as potentially the leadoff guy there. If not, he'll be hitting some second. He's in a fantastic position to produce going to see a lot of fastballs um he may even lead the al and run scored and uh and you know he's one of those guys that i feel is a good bargain in the second round i didn't mind going up a few picks in adp uh, to be able to grab him there then in round three you took uh walker bueller uh what are your thoughts on him for this upcoming year obviously if you got him late in drafts last year he really came through i was able to get him in tout wars in the reserve rounds and held on to him and uh he was tremendous uh we're, we're seeing him go Basically in the third round right now. So we know the Dodgers have a lot of depth in that pitching staff, and some of those pitchers are going to miss time. So what do you expect from him, and what are the innings uh, projections for Bueller in your mind this year? I mean, you know, I think we're not really expecting any of these Dodgers starters to really uh, surpass 30 starts, um, 180 innings, to be honest. But uh, these days there aren't a lot of guys that are getting 180 innings, and a lot of those guys are, you know, the – uh, Matt Boyd's and uh, James Shields of the world that uh, we don't necessarily want. So if I'm going to get 170, 180 quality innings out of somebody who I think is one of the best pitchers in baseball ready, I'm going to take it. Um, and I think I was one of the uh, one of the first proponents. This is going back to last year when the season was still in play that I said that Walker Bueller is going to go ahead of Clayton Kershaw in drafts this season, um, and also that I believed that he was uh, more valuable and, and basically worth taking ahead of Kershaw for this coming draft season. And we have seen that in a lot of drafts. We didn't see it in this one, but almost every draft I have seen Walker Bueller go ahead of Kershaw. So uh, good call on that one. Now, Javier ba- Baez went one pick before you. It's as late as I've seen him go, 3-6. If Baez was there, would you have taken him? I would have, yes, and I'm always flexible with my draft plan. Um, never, you know, go into it too uh, too set in my ways. Um, and Baez is not somebody I'm targeting in NFC drafts. I mean, he's going anywhere from pick 12 to pick 18, and I think that's too high for him. That's not a spot that I'm going to take him in. Uh, but in the 30s, man, I mean, that's that's really a no-brainer for me. I would have just taken the fallen value there and then figured out my second starting pitcher later. Um, but just the way that it turned out, you know, Bueller works for me just fine. And, you know, that ended up turning out into me being able to grab Carlos Correa, who uh, I really think bounces back this year and has a fantastic season. So I'm kind of happy the way that all sort of fell, fell into place. Yeah, Correa is a guy that we've seen in the past go as high as the first round. And obviously we just haven't seen that big season yet. Injuries were definitely a factor last year. Uh, he's 24 years old, so... I think a lot of people are looking for him to bounce back. Others are saying, well, he's never done it yet. We keep waiting for this big season, although we saw it in 109 games in 2017. He was on pace for a ridiculous year before he got hurt. And then last year, obviously, the average was down. But uh, are people missing out here on here? And he, is he a, a great value in round four if you can get him there? Yeah, I mean, if uh, 
it, it, it's true, and he hasn't done it before, and that's people's you know main argument and the fact that he has had some of that injury history lately. Uh, but I think where he's going, I mean, right now, sort of like 45 to 55 overall is a fantastic spot to find out and to take a chance on whether that is going to be that season for him this year. I mean, you can do a lot worse than a guy that's essentially the cleanup hitter for the Houston Astros um, in, in a fantastic lineup. Like, I love targeting these guys, um, you know, as much as I can. And so he is just, you know, by factor of being in that lineup and hopefully playing 100 45 plus games you're gonna you know you're gonna see a lot of run production out of him may even steal a few bases and maybe have a an outlier a positive outlier in uh, in batting average this year so i'm willing to find out i do think Correa can crush 30 home runs this year and i think he's going to be a great value for where he goes at the moment I'm going by Vlad Sedler you can find him fantasyguru.com plays in a ton of high stakes leagues as well David Dahl in round five. I have a lot of David Dahl so far, so I hope you're right on this one. I think the last draft I took him at 72. People might see, wow, round five. That's early for Dahl. I've been talking about him endlessly and why I believe in him. Give your sales pitch here on David Dahl. I mean, you know, there are a lot. This is a very, very volatile guy. There are a lot of, you know, analytic, analytical minds who are not fans of David Dahl. They don't think he's a good hitter. Uh, the fact that he can't hit lefties is an issue, too. But, you know, I've had a lot of success just, you know, pretty much a guy that I know is going to be hitting in the middle of a fantastic lineup, playing half their games in one of the best, in, you know, arguably, or is the best ballpark um, in baseball. Uh, it's just a really good spot to be in. And so I like targeting and attacking teams that I like uh, and getting a few players from, the, from that team. And so, you know, if you notice my squad, I've got three Colorado Rockies on it. I think it's a, it's a good spot to be in. Uh, I think he's going to produce pretty much across the board. And, again, this is an OBP league. I think somewhere in the 340, 360 range is probably a fair um, assessment of what he can do this year, throwing some stolen bases. I may have taken him a little high, but I was willing to take that chance, and I'm willing to take that chance in high-stakes leagues as well this year. Yeah, I mean, he has the potential for a breakout. While there is definitely risk there, and he's been hurt a lot, and I know September's can be – overvalued because we got a lot of pitchers coming up from the minor leagues, but he had nine homers, 27 RBIs in September, and also has shown the ability to run. So I'm with you on that. And when you're talking these rounds, you know, you kind of, you can always take a shot on a potential breakout, especially if you build a good base early. I think it's knowing when to take a shot on these potential breakouts that have some risk. Indeed. And and that was a spot where, Hey, if Yasiel Puig had fallen, I would have scooped them up in a minute. Uh, but both him and Dahl are kind of those guys in the you know rounds five to six range that I see a lot of upside with. There are a couple of guys that can potentially uh, turn in top two round value this year, and so you know I'm definitely sort of a, a big upside drafter, kind of go big or go home. Um, and you know I definitely like to take my take my shots, and I think there are a lot a lot worse t- shots to take than uh, somebody like Dahl here, uh, where I took him there in the fifth. You mentioned your Rockies lineup that you already have a several from that team. And in the next round, you took Daniel Murphy. And, man, I'm just intrigued to see Murphy at Coors Field with the big outfield. He obviously can hit the gaps and, you know, has increasing power. Uh, as he's shown over the last couple of years, hit more fly balls. But obviously some injuries last year, but should play first base. So he'll give you that multiple position eligibility eligible at second right now. Uh, thoughts on Murphy and Coors Field? Uh, I think it's going to be fun. I think so, too. I think the, really the only concern is uh, that knee and the bone and 
how many games will be able to play? Like, will they be able to maintain him throughout the course of the year? So um, a little bit of a riskier shot uh, in a draft and hold scenario. Uh, but I don't know. Just It just feels like a good price for me. The fact that I'm starting off the year with him as my second baseman, and I don't even have a first baseman yet on this team, so I'm going to move him over to first. I'm able to wait a little bit to grab it at an actual first baseman later. But, um, you know, just it just felt like a really nice one-two punch grabbing Dolan Murphy there, uh, somebody that's going to give me an epic OVP, or so I'm hoping, probably somewhere in the 370, 380 range. Um, and, yeah, I do, do see with a full, you know, at least maybe 140 games, I could definitely see him with 25 homers, 100 RBIs, and uh, really producing, being a valuable asset for my fantasy team. Talking of Vlad Sedler from FantasyGuru.com, we're going over his Tout Wars draft and hold team, 15-team league, OBP, 50 rounds, so no moves during the season, and you go deep into the player pool. You took your first closer in round seven, and you started a run. You took Roberto Osuna over guys like Kenley Jansen, Blake Trinan, who has pretty much been going in most leagues as a top-two closer. What is it about Osuna that stands out that you felt he was above the rest? It's really just, you know... um, I mean, picking straws there because I really hemmed and hawed over that decision for quite a while. Um, and in, in a different format, like, you know, I play a lot of leagues and I may uh, opt for one of the other guys there in that spot. All I do know is that I like Kenley Jansen and Blake Trinan, uh, but to me, for whatever reason, it's just that gut feel that Roberto Asuna is going to be the top closer, the, 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 the basically the you know the best closer in baseball this year um, as an all-around value and so for me I just wanted to kind of grab him I figured a, a, a closer run would start happening and so I just wanted to grab him there just think he's in an absolutely perfect scenario there with Houston that's going to win a lot of games they could win a lot of games by many runs but they're also going to be a lot of close games that they win uh, with uh, their, their starters going deeper into games and just handing it off to one middle or earlier and then to him. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, this is a guy that is still young. I don't even think he's 25 yet, and he's never had a whip under one in his entire career. I think he's an absolute dominant beast. Uh, the off-the-field issues, uh, as atrocious as they sound, uh, seem to be behind him at this point, and so um, I'm all systems go with Roberto Osuna this year. Yeah, I liked him a lot last year as a top-five closer, and obviously the off-the-field stuff uh, hurt him in that capacity. But you're right, he's 24 years old. He just turned 24. He doesn't allow home runs, and he doesn't walk guys. Those are two things that you want out of your closer. And he doesn't have the elite strikeout mark of some of the other closers, but it's still fine. So uh, I do like him, too. Uh, I liked him a lot last year, and I think he is in a good spot. Uh, what do you think of Blake Trinan, though? I mean, Trinan was a guy I had in a lot of leagues last year. He was the closer that I targeted, and obviously he had a tremendous year. I mean, no one, even the most supporter uh, of Trinan, could not have envisioned what he did last year. And, and I think it's we all say, well, how is he going to do that again? It was just an insane season. Do you see him falling off that much, or do you think he'll be still be very good? No, I, I really don't see him falling off that much at all. I mean, we you know, all see we see his, uh, you know, his masterful witchery, uh, uh, witchcraft, or whatever it is. Um, he is, could arguably be the best mechanics-wise uh, pitcher of that group. Um, There's a very good shot for him to be able to uh, to be the number one closer. Uh, you know, in fact, at the FSTA, Charlie Wiegert and I, we uh, we took the plunge on him, and 
there were no other closers uh, uh, taken at that point when we took him in the FSDA. So um, that was over Edwin Diaz, who I would like as well. So at that point, um, you know, in time, it just made sense. Um, I like the three of them, Osuna, uh, Kenley Jansen, and Trinan very much. Uh, any of those guys is my first closer. I'm very happy with, especially in a year of much volatility at the position. I love watching Trinan pitch, and maybe because I had him on so many teams, but whenever I saw he was in the game, I, I immediately switched over to the A's game because his stuff is just so nasty, man. It's just I love watching yep. the pitch. Uh, Mike Moustakis in round eight, did you take him before he went back to Milwaukee or after? And, you know, he seems to be – well, obviously in early drafts he was going later because maybe people worried about what team he has, but this is a guy, a full-year Milwaukee in that lineup. I mean, you got to think 3,100. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm not a huge Mustakis guy, and I was actually having a tough decision there between him and uh, Jesus Aguilar, who had really fallen. Uh, and I actually do like Aguilar, uh, Aguilar as well. It was just a uh, sort of a play where I knew I was going to be moving Murphy to, to uh, first base. Wanted to get um, you know a big bat in there. You know, fantastic home park. Uh, Thirty-one hundred is absolutely in play. The only issue with him, this being an OVP league, it's been. Um, in the three teens, uh, 315, I think, the last couple of years. So that's a little bit of a concern. But I see that bumping up a little bit. Totally fine with Moustakis. And then, uh, you know, grabbing Rafael Devers uh, right after that to solidify my corner infield spot, I think, um, really kept, really worked out for me as well. And Garrett Hampson in round 13, uh, do you think he, I'm assuming you think he wins that job and obviously can supply you with a ton of stolen bases for the upcoming year? Yeah, I mean, with him there, um, I was really low on steals. Uh, Hampson just made a lot of sense for me there. Um, there was really no one at that point. Of, you know, Modica had taken Buxton literally two picks before me, and I was looking at Buxton there. Uh, but with Hampson, again, I get my third Rocky, um, and most importantly, I just think he wins that job outright. Um, it's basically Brendan Rodgers, who I think is going to go back to AAA, uh, and Ryan McMahon, who's not a natural second baseman. I think they'll kind of move him all over the place. Uh, I think Hampson wins that job outright and think he produces. I think he's a great value inside the top 200 this year. Don't worry. I'll get on Modica for that. We had him on earlier in the week, and I'll tell him to stop <laughs> stealing your picks. But, Vlad, always good talking to you, man. And we'll go. We'll talk to you soon and see how you finish up this draft. So good luck the rest of the way. Thanks so much, Adam. Have a good rest of your weekend. You too, man. That is Vlad Sether. Again, find him at fantasyguru.com. When we return, we wrap it up. I'll take a look at the night in the NBA for DFS purposes when we continue. It is Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Back here, Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis, again, you can find me, scoutfantasysports.com. We got you covered. Fantasy baseball draft kit underway. Tons of content. I got a breakout pitcher for you, a breakout player on offense going after round 15. So you can read those articles now. Use the promo code BATS50, get 50% off your first two months. And if you want to take me on in a fantasy baseball league, and a lot of you always ask me, and I can't jump in every league, but here's an opportunity to take me on and see what kind of skills you have. Play FFWC.com. 
It's an MLB 44, $44 to enter. It's a slow draft, four-hour clock. And all you do is set your lineup every week. No waivers, no trades, nothing. Just draft your team, 44 rounds, 12-team leagues. Set it and forget it each week, and you can win some money. So get there now. Play FFWC.com. And I look forward to it. Uh, So hopefully you guys will uh, sign up. We have one underway now. Uh, my 44 is in round 27, I believe. And then Dr. Roto has got underway as he spoke to, about as well. So uh, make sure that you check us out and come join. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Let's take a look at the night in the NBA. And again, I have to repeat this all the time because I don't know how many of you are just listening for the first time. But you have to pay attention to late-breaking news in the NBA, especially this time of year. So I'm going to give you basically a shell here. Some players I like, it could change. I'll give you an example from yesterday. I mentioned Kelly Oubre as a play yesterday, but wasn't a core target. That changed. If you listen, if you follow the news up to lineup block, and this news dropped late too. It was probably, I'd say about 15, 20 minutes before tip-off, they announced Kelly Oubre in the starting lineup. So I quickly made sure to get him in. I think I did five lineups on Yahoo yesterday. I think I got him in on three because he was like 18 bucks shooting guard and he was starting against the Cavaliers in a good matchup. So I think he had 43 Yahoo points and he was about 15% on. So that's just one example of how you got to pay attention to what is going on. And there's always going to be late breaking news and we can help you out. ScoutDFS.com. The optimizer reflects it immediately. I'm amazed at how quick it works. Like I'll see the news. I'll wait like 10 seconds, hit refresh, boom. Ubre's in like an optimal lineup. So uh, that helps. And of course, the Slack chat leading up to lineup block where people are in there to help answer your questions. All right. So we got a pretty good slate tonight, nine games uh, as well. Uh, I don't know if I said it on the show yesterday, but I thought the Lakers would win. Uh, and they did. So that was a fun game to watch. Although it looked bad. They were down 19. I was like, wow, this was a bad pick. Uh, they came back and won. Bulls are in Orlando to take on the Magic. Vegas spread is eight. Magic are favored. Vegas total 217. Chris Dunn is probable for tonight. Uh, Not a lot of core targets for me here on the Bulls. Uh, I'd consider Otto Porter. He's 62 on DK, 67 on Fandle. I think he's 22, 23 on Yahoo. So he's been playing minutes in the mid-30s. So he's fine. Uh, Laurie Markkinen's been phenomenal. His price has gone up. He's 81 on DK, 86 on Fanduel. I would maybe use him in tournaments. Uh, and Zach Levine's always in play for tournaments because he's always capable of going off. Uh, 73 on DK, 78 on Fanduel. But I don't think I'm going to have too many bulls tonight. I might have Markkinen on Yahoo potentially, but the price has gone up. Magic actually played well. They've won five in a row. Uh and they have a good matchup here. Uh, I think Evan Fournier, I would look at it on Yahoo. Uh, he's $16. Uh, I don't really love him on DK or Fandle. He's 58 on DK, 62 on Fandle. Nikola Vucevic, always in play. Uh, it tends to go low-owned, too. Uh, there's so many good centers on the slate. He's 98 on DK, 10 on Fandle. I don't know. I always find him to be low-owned, and I feel like I always want to get something uh, from him. And obviously, they've had a couple blowouts recently, so the minutes are down. So you haven't really seen big numbers from him. But uh, the Bulls are terrible against center, so I think you have to have him in play. And a guy I've been using pretty much all the time now, Jonathan Isaac. This guy has been crushing it 
uh, over the last few games. It's hurt Aaron Gordon. Uh, I like Isaac. I think he's 20 on Yahoo, 61 on DK, 65 on FanDuel. So definitely uh, looking at Isaac tonight. The Spurs are in Toronto as uh, DeMar DeRozan and Kawhi Leonard facing their former teams. We did see this matchup earlier uh, in San Antonio, and Kawhi did not play well in that game. He struggled. The Raptors are favored by 7.5. Vegas totals 228. LaMarcus Aldridge and Derek White both listed as probable in this game. Uh, look, you got to like DeMar DeRozan. Returning to Toronto, you know he's going to be pumped. He had a really good game the first time this team matched up. I got to think he's uh, going to be popular tonight, and it's a good matchup. He's 73 on DK, 79 on Fandle. I think he's 30 on Yahoo, so I like him. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, not the best matchup, but uh, he will not be highly owned. I don't think I'm going to play him tonight. I have used him here and there. 76 on DK, 78 on Fandle. Rudy Gay, not a bad spot either. He's pretty cheap, uh, um, but he should play big minutes. And uh, uh, he is uh, 54 on DK, 6 on Fandle. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to use him tonight, but, you know, if he fits your build, I think he is in play. For Toronto, it looks like Kawhi Leonard should play tonight. He's listed as probable. Uh, he's 95 on FanDuel, 94 on DraftKings. His price has dropped on Yahoo, too. I think he was 38, so uh, I'm considering having some Kawhi Leonard tonight. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, Pascal Siakam is coming off a, a ridiculous game, but uh, I would think Gasol's back tonight. You got kind of Gasol and uh, Abaka hurting each other a little bit, uh, but Siakam always has that big upside, and he's 67 on DK, so uh, you can consider him, but Definitely not someone that is a priority tonight. Washington is at Charlotte. Uh, the game is at 7 p.m. Eastern. Hornets favored by five. Vegas totals 232. Tomas Sadoransky is probable uh, for tonight. Uh, for the Wizards, obviously Bradley Beal always in play. He is pricey, 92 on DK, 94 on FanDuel. Uh, he has slowed down in some of the games a little bit, but... You know, he just has such a huge usage rate, uh, and he does have a good matchup here. I think he's low owned tonight. I don't think a lot of people are going to go to him, so you could get him at low ownership. Uh, Jabari Parker has played well. He had that one dud when he was chalk. I remember he was so cheap on FanDuel, but he has played a lot of minutes, so uh, Parker's still cheap on Yahoo. I think he's 6 bucks, 55 on DK, 56 on FanDuel. Portis, Bobby Portis is more expensive, 62 on DK, 67 on FanDuel. He's always capable of going off, but I don't think I'll be looking at him tonight. But I think Parker's in play on Yahoo at 16 bucks. He doesn't really need to do much to return that value there. For the Hornets, uh, they obviously are a much better home team. I think Kemba Walker is a good play in tournaments. Uh, he was actually playing well before the All-Star break, and uh, the Wizards are just terrible at most positions, uh, but especially guarding the point guard. So I think he's in play tonight uh, in tournaments. 10,000 on Fandle, 93 on DK. He's always capable of going off. Uh, Cody Zeller, I like tonight too, You know, uh, especially on DK and Yahoo. Yahoo, he's $13, 52 on DK. Uh, and the Wizards have been terrible against centers. And Zeller's been playing more minutes too. Uh, you know, there's a good chance if this game stays competitive that you could see him for 30 to 32 minutes. So the price uh, – now, obviously, you have to sacrifice its center a little bit. There's some good centers on the slate. That's always what you what you run up against. And, you know, uh, we saw Boban 
Bargianovic really crushed us today. I had him in three of my five lineups on Yahoo. He was 10 bucks the minimum, and he was cheap on DraftKings. So hopefully he used him. Uh, but obviously it sacrifices, you know, a couple of good centers. You know, I loved Al Horford yesterday and only had him in one lineup. DeMarcus Cousins obviously had a good game, but not what we expected. I think we expected more. He was a very popular play, and that's why uh, you can't always have that one player in every lineup if you're in tournaments. You want to diversify in case that chalk player doesn't come through. And Al Horford crushed DeMarcus Cousins yesterday. Uh, so that's why you always want to mix it up. And Horford was very low-owned. Uh, I usually don't use my, many other players on the Hornets, but this is a good matchup. So Zeller's in consideration. Kemba. Batum's 46 on DK. Like He's going to play 32, 34 minutes. I know he sucked this year. Don't love him, but... You know, if he fits your build, that that price and the matchup and the minutes uh, certainly in play tonight. The Pelicans are on the road at Indiana, 7 p.m. Eastern. Vegas total 222 Pacers, favored by 6.5. We've already heard that Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday are going to see minutes limits. For Anthony Davis, it's 20 to 25 minutes. Alfred Payton, it looks like he's going to return and play. The Pelicans are a mess right now, man. I just, I can't play them. I mean, Anthony Davis is 87 on DK. I mean, I remember talking before the All-Star break when he was nine. And I'm like, you kind of have to consider him at that price in tournaments, but I, I couldn't play him. I'm, I'm just not going to play him, not for 20, 25 minutes. And you just don't know where this team's heads are out right now. So I'm re- I'm not going to play anyone tonight. Uh, I think the Pacers cover too. I like the Pacers tonight. Uh, Miles Turner is questionable. Tyreek Evans is questionable. Really, you know, Miles Turner is a guy that has tremendous upside. So I think you kind of have to wait here and see what happens. I do like Turner if he does play. Uh, I expect him to, and this is an early game, so we know. You know, Turner's always got that upside in tournaments. He's 6 on DK, 62 on Fandle. So certainly he's in play. If he's out, DeMontis Sabonis becomes someone you get in your lineup. 55 on DK, 61 on Fandle. So uh, Thaddeus Young would also get a boost. He's 6-2 on Fandle, 6 on DK. So this is uh, an area where you're probably going to wait to see what happens uh, for Indiana, but we should have that news pretty early tonight. The Timberwolves are in New York to take on the New York Knicks. Uh, the Timberwolves are favored by six. The Vegas totals two twenty and a half, and this game is at seven thirty. We're really paying attention to his Carl Anthony Towns. He was involved in a car accident. Uh, he's listed as questionable. He missed shoot around today, so it looks like they're going to wait to see how he feels in warm ups. Apparently, it's not serious. Uh, so, obviously, this is big news, and this is really going to change the slate here. Either way, uh, I like Jeff Teague. Uh, he's 22 on Yahoo. He's 59 on DK. And then, obviously, he gets a much bigger boost. He, he's a good play regardless, but if Towns is out, he'll see a bigger usage. He's 71 on Fandle. Certainly like him on DK and Yahoo for sure. Andrew Wiggins is a player I never like to play, but I have played him a couple times recently, and especially in this matchup against the Knicks and if Towns is out, Wiggins has got to be in play. 65 on DK, 7 on Fandle. I think he's gone over 50 points at Yahoo in his last two games. I like Dario Saric regardless because he is starting. He's cheap on Yahoo. He's 48 on DK, 52 on Fandle. And obviously we get a bigger boost too if Towns is out. Um, Gorgie Jang is also out uh, due to, uh, I think, personal reasons uh, as well. Tyus Jones looks like he'll return. So uh, this is... Uh, one you have to watch because obviously Towns is a good play too if he plays, and you'll probably get him a lower ownership. For people that just set their lineups and leave, 
you know, they might say, ah, well, uh, I'm not going to put him in. So you should get him at low ownership. He's 10-4 in DK, 10-8 on Fandle. But again, we don't know if he's going to play. And if he's out, Taj Gibson also becomes a good play at 3,800 on both sites. Uh, he'll be popular, and you get him in as well. So, again, this is another area where you're going to have to monitor the news and see if Towns is active tonight. For the Knicks, Emmanuel Moutier is out is active. Uh, Frank Ninakinla is out. Uh, Knicks, again, are very tricky, man. I just – it's hard for me to play anyone. Mitchell Robinson is the only guy, although he's too expensive for me on FanDuel at 61. He's 45 on DK. I think he's 15 on Yahoo. You can use him in tournaments. Even if he plays 20-22 minutes, he's uh, shown big upside – and maybe they start to curtail DeAndre Jordan's minutes as they don't want to win. But other than that, man, it's a crapshoot with the Knicks. Dennis Smith's price has gone up, and he hasn't. he's played around 30, 31 minutes the last couple games. Kadeem Allen's played well. Like, this is a team that I really don't want to mess with. So the only guy I'm really looking at is Mitchell Robinson, potentially on DK in tournaments and on Yahoo. Pistons are at Atlanta at 7.30. We got the Hawks, uh, underdogs by 4.5. Vegas totals 222.5. For the Pistons, it's pretty much the same story. It's always Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. They're always in play. Drummond's 9 on DK, 10-9 on Fandle, so obviously better price on DK. Blake Griffin, he is uh, 89 on DK, 92 on Fandle. Reggie uh, Jackson has a good matchup, but I'm not playing him. Um, you know, uh, he's around 30 minutes, and he just has – you never play him in cash. Tournaments is where you consider him, but I'm not. Uh, for Atlanta – Kevin Huerter is doubtful, so that's something to keep an eye on for them. Trey Young obviously has played very well lately. 78 on DK84 and Fandle might have him, uh, but it looks like uh, Kent Bazemore could be the benefit here with Huerter out, and he's 42 on DK47 on Fandle, as well as DeAndre Bembry, who's cheap on DK at 3,300. So potential pump plays if you want to go in that direction. The Clippers, they're at the Grizzlies 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Vegas totals 215.5, and, and the Clippers are favored by two. Uh, again, the Clippers' rotation has been a problem. You don't know who's going to play big minutes. The Grizzlies are not a great matchup here. Should be a slow-paced game. So I always look at Lou Williams in Montreal Harrell in tournaments, although they're not as appealing tonight. Zubak, I just don't know what the minutes are going to be. He is cheap, 42 on DK, 46 on Fandle. So um, really don't love anyone on the Clippers side tonight. I probably will have at least one team with a, a Lou Williams because he could go off. Grizzlies, Jonas Valchunas is out. Kyle Anderson is out. Jaron Jackson is questionable. So uh, certainly there could be some value here on this side. If Jackson's out, Joachim Noah. Yes, Joachim Noah, who's been on a point-per-minute basis really good this year. 38 on DK, 4 on Fandle. I think he's 10 on Yahoo. Ivan Rabb would come into play. He's too expensive on DK at 5,600, but he's 38 on FanDuel, so could always have that pump play. That's if Jackson is out. Uh, Jackson's a good play if he goes too. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely if Jackson's out, I like Rabb, like Noah. Uh, those would be the two guys I look at. And DeLon Wright is still cheap on DK at least. He's 53 on FanDuel, 37 on DK. And you notice what I'm saying. A lot of guys cheap on DK. Their pricing was bad yesterday. It's bad again today. Denver is at Dallas. Vegas totals 222 and a half. Denver favored by three and a half. Trey Lyles is out. Gary Harris will be active. Nikola Jokic, uh, definitely like him tonight for sure. A 10-1 on DK, 11 on Fanduel, And Paul Millsap, right before the All-Star break, I had him at a low ownership, and he crushed. 46 on DK. <laughs> Again, a lot of bargains on DK tonight. He's 66 on Fanduel. Those will be the two guys there. Luka Doncic is listed as questionable. So, again, um, you're going to have to pay attention to that. There could be some value there. Um, Doncic has been playing very well. Utah is at Oklahoma City tonight. 
Uh, four and a half Thunder are favored. Vegas total 226. Uh, for the Jazz, uh, Rudy Gobert is in play. He's 8 on DK, 88 on Fandle. Ricky Rubio's 58 on DK. He's in play, but there's a lot of bargains there tonight on DK. For Oklahoma City, it's always Westbrook and George. I like Westbrook actually a little bit more tonight um, as he's going for another triple-double. Uh, there's a lot of value tonight, um, and looks like there'll be more. So I think you can get Westbrook in tonight. 11-5 on DK, 11-8 on Fandle. Paul George, 11-8 on Fandle. That is pricey. Cheaper on DK at 10-8. He's always capable of exploding. So pretty good slate tonight, nine games. Again, we got a lot of injury news to monitor. Carl Anthony Towns certainly is the big one that we're paying attention to. That would open up a ton of value for Minnesota going up against the Knicks. And, of course, the Grizzlies will have some cheap value as well if Jaron Jackson is ruled out. So just make sure you pay attention to all the news. ScoutDFS.com. We got the optimizer and the uh, chat leading up to lineup lock. In the meantime, check out ScoutFantasySports.com to dominate your fantasy baseball league. Use the promo code BATS50 to get 50% off your first two months. I'll be back Monday, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.